0: Welcome to the Skill Stadium, a podcast for the skilled trades, where you can learn about the opportunities and benefits of working in the skilled trades from business owners, hiring managers, and the hardworking, talented professionals. And now your host, Keith Williams. Hi, this is Keith Williams with the Skill Stadium podcast. I've got a great episode today. You are going to learn about the auto body industry and I have a special guest with me today. She is a instructor for the NAIT which is the North Alberta Institute Technology. She started her academic career at that very institute. One of her major accomplishments is she won the Skills Canada Car Painting Award. She, uh, during her free time, she likes to do airbrushing, graphic and working on cars and her motorcycle. Please welcome Cecile Buckmeyer to the Skill Stadium podcast. Cecile, how are you doing today? Hi. Excellent. Cecile, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the uh, podcast. Cecile, by the way, is out in Edmonton, Alberta. That's where she grew up. And so I'm really happy to have her on. Uh, She's a fellow Canadian. I'm actually Canadian myself, and I grew up in Montreal. So she's on on the West Coast, Edmonton Oilers Hockey. So, Cecile, talk to me about, you know, how you were growing up as a child. What influenced you to follow the career path that you were on? Like, what kind of child were you?
1: That's a good question. As a child, I remember I would visit my father, and he was a mechanic by trade. And so whenever we would, I'd be there, he would just give me a wrench and just tell me to, you know, fool around with the cars. And that's kind of where my interest grew in cars. And later on, I started, um, I bought this Hot Rod magazine and I was started flipping through it. And um, I noticed that one of the photos had this car was painted by so-and-so, but it was an actual person. It wasn't a company or anything. And I was like, what? Like people do that? So I I kind of started researching. (laughs) how.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So you really were influenced by your dad, and then you kind of just took up an interest in it. I think that really is the best way to pursue something because so many people don't really find. I think that's your calling. That's kind of the the feeling I get just from what you just said. I mean, you started off at at such a young age. So, talk to me about someone who was a mentor in your life who kind of you know was a big influence on you and in your career and what valuable lessons did you learn from them
1: yeah so in my career uh when i first started it was it was quite hard on me there wasn't anybody like any girls i could look up to or anything so all of my role models were men and that was that wasn't a problem however i didn't find somebody who like i really looked up to until my second job and that was my employer who kind of took me under his wing And, you know, even though he he was learning along the way, too, we kind of learned together and he never gave up on me. And he really gave me the shot that I needed. Like, honestly, he's been a big influence um, that the first shop owner. So, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I, I think that's that's so important. Particularly in an industry that's dominated by men, you know, you don't have a lot of women in that industry. So I think it's so important to have some kind of support system. Oh yeah, to encourage you to continue because it's lonely when you're the only woman there. Mm -hmm. So you know, and in any profession, you need somebody, especially when you're just getting started, to uh, to, you know, to mentor you and guide you. So I think that that's critical. And what what lessons do you think you learned having a mentor? particularly being new to the industry?
1: Everything, really, honestly, uh, you know, how to be patient, how to act with other people, you know, like I, on, man, like he was so patient with me and I, I thank him all the time. But, you know, he really taught me how to be a mentor and, and how other people can kind of um, look up to those certain qualities, how to deal with somebody new and and learn processes with them and just be open and honest and you know it's a it's a journey the whole thing is but yeah like I learned so much from him
0: Yeah no everything I think these days is is relationships you know that is so critical it also I'm sure in the future will open other door other opportunities because you know people hire who, who they have relationships with and and know what to expect from those individuals? So, mm-hmm. you know, it's so important.
1: Definitely talk
0: to me about you know, you know, we I know from a numbers perspective, there's only about three percent of women working in your industry. How can we change that? How can we increase that number? We we, we really need to do better. I think.
1: Oh yeah, uh, definitely. It's actually crazy to think about. Uh, I started in the trade twelve years ago. And just seeing the the way that some people or um, organizations are now portraying the trades, where it's not, you know, you see a construction sign and there's all men in the photo. They're now being more diversified and there's women being shown doing these things. And I think that's a big thing because when I was you know, growing up and going and trying to choose a a career. I never seen a woman in my profession. I never seen it advertised. I never seen it anywhere. And so I think having women see other women in these positions, they're like, I could probably do that too. I can see myself in her shoes. And so, you know, sharing these success stories of women doing well in the trades industries to other women, they're like, oh, you know it's it's not impossible you can be successful in these in these types of trades and stuff, and then they you know see themselves in the shoes and I think that's a huge part of it's just you know everybody seeing diversity in in the trades I think that's a huge part and you know 10, 10 years ago, I have to say there is a lot more women coming into the trade now i I teach now, so i I see these apprenticeship students coming through and, okay, out of a class of 15, the most I have is three women. However, it's kind of more consistent now where it, throughout the entire year, we'd only see one, where now we see six or seven. And, oh, okay, so it, it is starting. I think we're kind of at the forefront of it. And I think maybe in a few more years, it won't be so surprising to see women in these types of roles.
0: Yeah. I also imagine that they're mentors now because there are more women in the field who are more experienced who can now reach out and and mentor the new women coming in and give them advice. Because like you said, when you started 12 years ago, I'm sure sure you've seen a lot of change over the years.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. And, And I also think it's important for leadership, for the men to be more accepting. And I think that that starts with leadership so, you know, if you have men who are treating the women well and, you know, mentoring them and encourage them to go into profession, I'm talking about the people in leadership position. And yes, I'm sure the numbers will increase. So you know, I think it's it, it takes both sides. It takes the women to mentor and it takes the men to be definitely be accepting and supportive.
1: Oh, yeah, so. I agree.
0: Yeah. So do you have, can you share some advice that you would give to women who are about to enter the industry, the automotive industry, how they can navigate? Because I know that part of what you will be doing as an instructor, I guess, is preparing them for being successful in the profession. Is there any advice that you could give them on how to navigate and fit into the culture of an automotive industry that is predominantly male dominated?
1: Yeah, I think Honestly, the automotive industry, first off, like you you do have to have tough skin with, I mean, just with the way that everything runs, it is sometimes a high pressure environment and you do need to deal with that. However, women in, in this industry do provide a certain level of meticulous, you know, they have like more of a meticulous eye. And so being good. Yeah, being good at matching colors, seeing the difference and, and those sort of things. That attention to detail, it, it does come a little bit more naturally to women. And when they apply it to this sort of trade, they do succeed well. So it's hard work sometimes. I don't Don't get me wrong. Be prepared to sweat. However, the feeling at the end of it, when you've completed a collision job and you see it kind of rolling out and you know what it looked like before then... There's a huge sense of empowerment and, you know, everybody worked together. I would, you know, you have to be stubborn about it as well. You, You have to, like, I know when I was looking for shops to take me in, I went to over 50 shops and some of them, you know, wouldn't give me the time of day or had different excuses or blatantly told me that they didn't want a woman working in the back. And that's fine. You have to be okay with failure in this trade whether it's getting a job and going knocking on doors till somebody finally gives you a chance or you know painting this fender 10 times so that you know how to apply paint try not to give up on yourself and then you know realizing that this is the first step and there's going you, it only gets better like it it honestly really only does however getting those first steps getting your foot in the door Getting in this industry, you do have to be stubborn and know. You know, let people know I'm here to work, and I like I will show. I will sweep the floors. I don't care, and I'll take out the trash after I do this because I want it look like I I am a valuable employee. I'm an asset here, and you guys should, you know, put value in me as a technician here.
0: No, that makes sense. I mean that that's that's character right character will will build success in anything you do i believe i think you know yeah, yeah you got to respect that i have a sales background so i know about rejection <laughs> so uh, that sounds a lot like sales you know knocking on doors knocking on doors a ton of rejection you know uh, and i did sales at the time back in the uh, I, i'm an old guy i did sales back in the uh, 90s when you had to go knock on people's doors you didn't have the internet you never knew what was behind that door. You, know? I mean, right. you get cussed out. It was, you know, it was normal. You just have to shake it off and and keep it yeah. moving. So, yeah. so you'll get, get your it. shot.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, I get it. I get it. I, I and I could see, I could see how some shot, you know, automotive industry, how some people could. You have to have thick skin. I I get it. You know, I brought my car in to be fixed, and I've kind of gotten a glimpse back there, and you know, you looks like you'd have to have some thick skin. And so I get it. I totally get it. Can you, you know, we, you know, we have a, we have the, um, a skills gap, right? So we're not, well, more people are retiring from the skill trades than are going into the skill trades. So uh, how do we close that? How do we get more people and not just women, I'm just saying people in general to go into the skill trade?
1: Yeah. So it's awesome that you bring that up because It's not just about women in the trades. It's about everybody in the trades. And, you know, one day it won't be just women or just men. It will be the trades. Um, So I'm happy that you bring up that that point. I think exposing people to these different trades at a younger age will benefit because, you know, you do like a trade event. You know, I, I know up here we have Skills Canada and they do Uh, trades events with as young as elementary students I think they have like grade four grade five students who are doing you know a plumbing exercise and they're you know building a hula hoop out of you know pvc pipe and they have to cut the pipe and stuff and just getting them you know introduced to the industry on the other hand society as a whole has to stop considering the blue collar industry as subpar this is, it takes a lot of skill, a lot of knowledge for this type of any, any trade. You do need to know, you, you need to be an expert in that trade. And the way that there's a, a lot in this, in our society right now, they kind of devalue that or, oh, if you don't get into university, you can go to trade school and really, I had to take four years of training to get to the technician level and I had to do training every single year to keep up on par with it because, you know, vehicles, processes, things change on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. Oh, yeah. So um, to, to see, sometimes you, you watch like a TV show or something and they've totally devalued the trade aspect. Well, young people see that and they're like, why would I... Want to be in that pool where I could go over here and be more respected, having going to university and stuff. And you know, it's not, we have to shift our view as a society because you know, okay, a doctor still has to call a plumber when he, you know, (laughs) because he doesn't know how the pipes go together. You know, the plumber has to take some sort of training so that they know, you know, it's whatever you're doing. So to devalue it, as I see. Even in my family, I'm, my trade is devalued because I didn't go to a university. I went to a, a trade school. And it's, it's funny because I'm like, okay, well, I don't see really the difference in that respect. You know, I still had to take certain classes to get into this course. And I still had to take just as much schooling as you did. So, you know, why is mine, you know, viewed as less? And then also, I see junior high students who've never even heard of carpentry. Wow! You know, and how? What? And so we do these sort of like try a trade events to just get them into. And they're like, "Oh my! I didn't know that people actually built that." Oh yeah. And what? <laughs> yeah, they do, and you can do it too. Let Let's show you how, and it kind of sparks something in them, and hopefully. You know, as they grow older, they consider that or they remember that experience and they consider going into
0: the trades. Cecile, I wonder if we can if we can say part of this is on the parents, because I don't think the parents, you know, when it comes to careers, your parents are probably a huge influence on you. And I think a lot of parents are pushing their kids to college because that's what society is saying you should do. And and truth, told, a lot of people go to college and they get out and they're not getting jobs. The trades pay well. Intercept work, and well, so
1: yeah, it's surprising to hear a lot of people. Sorry, sorry to cut you off. A lot of people who are in the trades, you know, at a later age, they're like, "Yeah, I was a investor, and I went to college. I did all this stuff, and now I'm starting over my whole career at 35, at 40, at 50 because this is something that I want to do." Yes, of, and you know what?
0: Yeah, you know what else too is it's not a career that. Typically, discriminates based on age. I can tell you, if somebody's worked in the corporate world, when you start hitting in your fifties, companies start discriminating. They start letting people go. It, woman, man, whatever. You start hitting in your fifties, companies are more apt to let you go. Particularly if you don't have a specialty skill set. Like if you're just a generalist, you're like an individual contributor, or you're not working in a high demand field. You are prone to get laid off as you get older. I don't believe that happens as much in the skill trades. I, you know, I, I I didn't work in the skill trades, but I know from having spoken to people, I know the fact that there's a shortage of workers, that that is not going to be something that will happen to people. It's not likely.
1: Yeah. I, and I can agree with that. And having said that, it's not only, you know, the skill trades opens up so many bigger doors. So maybe you know some people might be listening and thinking okay I don't want to be 60 and sending a car no (laughs) like there's so many different aspects to the trades that okay of course everybody has to do the groundwork and stuff but above and beyond that there's so many different you know uh, like product reps instructors that sort of thing where you're not going to have to be 80 years old and still sanding a car or something. It's, there's always those higher, there's always branches that, that reach out beyond the skilled trades or that's still within the skilled trades, but you need to have the experience in the trades to actually, you know, move up to some Mm -hmm. of these higher level positions as well.
0: Yeah. I also believe the skilled trades is a great profession where you can do your own business. Someone always needs someone to fix a car. (laughs) Yeah. do their electrical, do their plumbing. I interviewed a plumber a couple of years ago and he was in his sixties. And he used to, he he worked at Home Depot. He was just working for fun. Just you, know, you could tell he didn't need the money. And he said he'd do plumbing on the side, just just for fun. He had somebody, he did a plumbing job for someone on Thanksgiving, the U.S. Thanksgiving, somebody had reached out to him. They had an emergency. And his wife's like, you're not leaving the house. This is family time. And a person, and he said, well, I'll just tell him I'll charge you 500 to come out there. And a person said, yes. And his wife said, you better go. <laughs> so <laughs> I say that just to say that, you know, it's essential. People are going to pay to have their plumbing and their electrical fixed. That yeah. won't change whether you're in America, Canada, Europe, wherever you are. That's going to always be needed. So I think you're right. You can also, as you're doing, you're an instructor. So you can be an older instructor. So you're not actually, you know, you're teaching. So there's so many, like you said, there's so many different aspects of the trades that, that, you know, you have so many options just Mm -hmm. depending on what you're interested in.
1: Yeah. It wouldn't be fair to just pinhole yourself as, okay, I'm going to be doing this. There's always, you know, the next step up. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Can you share the process since you are in in the school, can you share a little bit of the process of how, you know, someone starts, you know, they start as an apprentice. Can you walk me just high level, quick high level explanation of what happens when somebody decides to work in your industry as an auto body mechanic? What's the process, please?
1: Okay, so they either have to go to a shop and get indentured from their own employer And they basically Mm -hmm. enter an apprenticeship contract with the employer. So the employer is going to um, agree to send them to school. And and then when they're at school, they're going to lay them off and then they'll come back sort of thing. So that's how you get indentured. Or you can go through high school through the registered apprenticeship program. And you basically start gaining hours towards your apprenticeship. Again, you're, you're not quite in the same contract. Then you can take your first year. Auto body exam. And then after that, you need to be in a contract. So at some point before or just after first year, you enter into a contract with your employer. And that employer is going to account for the hours that you work on the job. So the auto body technician trade, the apprenticeship is defined as the majority is on the job training. So actually, 80% of the training comes from being on the job. And your employer is entitled to, they have to pay you a certain amount of your journeyman's wage. You have to be apprenticed underneath the journeyman. And basically, after you gain your hours, that's when you are accepted into school to do the training for a specific year. In auto body in Alberta, there's four years of training. So that means you're in school for six to eight weeks per year and the rest of the year you're at work gaining hours towards the apprenticeship doing the actual tasks that a first year or a second year or a third year apprentice would be doing
0: Excellent. at the end of
1: all of that you need i think approximately 5000 hours on the job training and all of the school and and then you get indentured as a journeyman <laughs> and then you're Excellent. you're you're a journeyman however you do still have to keep up on on training after that.
0: Okay, excellent. Now, do the companies pay for the for the school side or is it responsibility? Um, so of the-
1: it's depending to- on the company that you're at. For the majority, the apprentices pay for the schooling. However, some companies do pay for the apprentice to be at school and they'll pay them their wage. It, it depends on, you know, if it's a smaller company or if it's a, a well-known company, but also, the government of Alberta does have a lot of subsidies for tuition costs. So the cost for the apprentice, quite little in comparison to the value of training that they get.
0: I agree. And I'm sure you're not going in. I'm sure they're not going to, to thousands of dollars of debt like you do with U.S. colleges. No, so.
1: <laughs> no they're not. <laughs> Indeed,
0: the beautiful thing about Canadian education is it is um, a lot more affordable than U.S. education. So I... I I, I noticed I
1: that.
0: that. Yeah. <laughs> I know I, I went to university in the 90s and it was really inexpensive. Uh, I went to university in Ontario, so I'm, I'm very familiar okay. with the cost of it yeah. in Canada. So. Yeah, that's uh, nice. Yeah. So, can you share how your working experiences help you with teaching students?
1: Oh, I mean, actually being in the trade and knowing different situations, different mistakes, being able to share with my students everything I did wrong so that they can learn from that. But then also I have been in shops that I, all of the shops that I was in, I was the only woman. So when I do get female students who come in, oftentimes they're the only woman in their shop. They're the only woman in their town who does auto body. They've never seen another woman in auto body. And I think that's so important for me to be there and be like, hey, I was in the shops too. I was facing the exact same things that you are. Trust me, you're not alone. Here's some other women in the trade and you know, reach out and kind of form a little bit of a community, but then also show them I was successful in the trade and you can definitely be successful. You can be like, you can be better than me. Please, like, come on, let's do it. What what do you got in you? Let me, you know, and then the, the men as well. Uh, some of them have never seen a woman in auto body. And so, having me as their instructor, showing them things, sometimes there's, yeah, you know, it takes like a week or two for them to warm up to me and to actually, oh, she does know what she's doing. Okay, I, maybe I can trust what she's telling me. Um, but they always come around.
0: They better listen to you. You can fail them if they don't.
1: <laughs> well, <you> know, <laughs> flunk
0: them. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: like, well, it's, it's the marks, but then, you know, why don't you fail and then do it my way? And, oh, my gosh, wasn't it crazy that it worked out? So maybe I don't know. I mean, I do won't. know what I'm talking
0: about. Definitely, definitely, definitely. So what do you think? Some of the biggest challenges are on the job, because one of the things that I take away from this work, and this is where women have an advantage, is your attention to detail because you're painting, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah. I got to believe it gives women an advantage over men, particularly for this trade, because, I mean, auto body shop work, a paint job, you know, I mean...
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, it. it is high stress, especially the painting aspect of it. The painting aspect is a small, small part. It takes a long time for the car to get to that point. And mm-hmm. women can be successful in every step along the way. One hundred percent. They are often looked at to come and help with color match. So even if the woman isn't the painter, they might be brought over to be to just check the color match. They're, they're great attention to detail. But, you know, when you're painting, it is a high stress sort of deal because everything has to line up just right. And you have one chance to put on that paint or else it's a redo and it's all the profit. I know know that it it is a high stress being in the painter position. It's a high stress, but it's also one of the most rewarding because when you go and see your car or any time you see a car, the first thing you say is, wow, look at that paint. And they don't think about all of the process. Everybody who had to, you know, rough out the sheet metal, pull the frame, you know, make it look awesome, just like the other side. They don't think about all of that other stuff that happened. So it is one of the most rewarding uh, being in the painter's seat, but it's the most (laughs) stressful as well. Um, Along the way, though, it's all detail. I mean, you think about it's like you're sculpting almost. There's such a, a an interesting human relationship with like the cars. And especially when you start doing collision work, you really understand the design aspects and why they put that body line there and, you know, how they made the metal do this, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's very technical, but then also you get to see, your results like as you're coming along the entire process so no matter where you are you get to see something and make it into something before it goes on to the next level and at the end of it everybody can be like hey all of us did this together and this is awesome
0: (laughs) definitely you get to see it's kind of like you know when you see a fitness person somebody who's worked out you know, you see them take the before picture and then the after picture. So I'd imagine for a car, mm-hmm. you know, the car was brought in, it was all banged up. You probably have a picture of it all knocked, banged up. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, boom, it's just, you, you couldn't believe it's the Nothing same car. Nothing ever
1: happened.
0: Yeah. So that's got to be a great feeling. The owner's happy, you know, because they're like, wow, I got my, my car back. And, um, and And so, you know, that's really satisfying, I would imagine. Oh, definitely. So, so talk to me. So wanted to find out, you know, this does require skills. I think it's important to be a learner. Do you find that a lot of companies are supporting their employees in general in this industry to keep their skill sets up wow. so that they can? Yeah. Yeah,
1: And I think that's really driven by industry and driven by all of the uh, advancements in the automotive industry. It is no longer like when we deal with insurance companies, you need to be up on par and insurance companies look for certification in the new processes. So aluminum Mm -hmm. or carbon fiber, if you're going to repair a vehicle, they need proof that you actually took the course for that. So companies and stuff have a huge incentive to send their uh, employees to these training courses so that they can take on these types of hits. And it's only going to get more and more advanced as cars become more and more autonomous.
0: Yes. Yes, I agree. I agree. 100%. No, that makes sense. I'm glad that the companies are finally getting it. Cecile, final question for you. What What career aspirations do you have? I know you're an instructor now you know, and what does success look like for you?
1: So I think success never stops. Uh, I don't think that, oh, I'm successful now. So I'm I'm just going to stop. I have had success in my career. And so I do plan on continuing my career, my success. Now I see that through my students. So I pass on my knowledge and it's kind of cool. Now I've been doing it for about four and a half years. And I've had students start as a beginner apprentice and move on to their journeyman certification and, you know, come and shake my hand and be like, you know, I wasn't sure whatever you had an influence on me. And so that to me is success in in each one of my students. And I don't want it to really stop there. I I do want to kind of be more involved on, on a world scale, showing people that you can be successful, but then also being able to uh, train women and and men maybe across the country uh, across the globe, <laughs> that would be very very cool. So who knows?
0: I could see you being an ambassador. I could see you being an ambassador for the profession. You know, because I believe that you like teaching. I could I can get that sense that you enjoy teaching and being an ambassador. You'd be teaching on a bigger scale.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. it's it's kind of funny. I never when I was in the trade, I thought that the biggest form of success was finishing a complete job and having the customer's mind just, oh, wow, that's so exciting. um, Until I started teaching. And then when I started teaching just the I don't know, it's it's so gratifying uh, for me to see students uh, click and then be successful and and have success stories or see them in a magazine or something like, oh, wow, I'm so excited for you so cool yeah
0: no i, I agree I, I uh my mother was a teacher so um i, I do have a place in my heart for teachers <laughs> and i know it i know it's hard work so i i commend you for that uh, Thank you. and it, it, it takes a special person to be able to teach it's it's not easy you know and so it, it, i believe that's also a calling again too that's not something people just take on lightly so cecile i wish you much success I thank you for being guests on the Skill Stadium Podcast, and I wish you a wonderful afternoon.
1: Thank you so much, Keith. It was nice uh, meeting you and thank you for inviting me.
0: My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Skill Stadium. It would mean so much if you left a review on iTunes and told your family and friends about the podcast.